Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. This week, we are going to be debating an age-old question which seems to be becoming even more relevant in our Indian context almost every single day. We're going to talk about ideology and films, the relationship between the two, and can we separate ideology from films? And to break down this question, we have a very special guest with us, the amazing film critic, Sacharita Tyagi. Thank you so much for joining us, Sacharita. We're very excited to unpack and debate this question with you. And to start off with, just want to throw out this question to both of you, Sacharita and Ruita. How do you define what ideology is? Because there are many definitions across the board and a lot of them are very complicated this is shishti your host by the way hi shishti any piece of cinema is by definition manipulative it just is any audio visual medium where you have images coming at you at the speed of light is designed to manipulate your emotion in a certain way good bad ugly those are the discussions that then happen after the film has been watched any production has been watched whether it is a stage play or whatever it's all manipulative it's supposed to manipulate you and that manipulation comes from a mindset and that mindset is defined by the ideology of the person behind the mindset multiple people could be involved in defining the ideology of a film that you're watching but nothing is without ideology the word ideology is misunderstood because you hear ideology and you think oh political oh controversial oh agenda it doesn't it just generally literally means an idea that's put to out to the world in whatever way it could be written on paper it could be an instagram reel it could be an entire motion picture it could be a eight episode series on an ott platform nothing is without ideology even when you feel like you've made brainless mindless comedy there's still ideology involved because if you're if you don't have ideology then you're not a human person then you're just ai chatgpt writing scripts so everything has it yeah that makes a lot of sense and also speaks very uh, to the core of um, what we want to unpack here as well and I'm not a film critic, so I have the textbook definition, which uh, two theorists, Kamoli and Narboni, say they say that as a result of being a material product of the system, film is also an ideological product of the system. And so when I read this, the first thing that came to my mind, which I thought I'll throw out here as like a hot take, is the upcoming and highly anticipated film Barbie, uh, the Greta Gerwig uh, film that's going to come out. Uh, and just I thought that was a really interesting example to. like unpack as well over here because it is highly anticipated for what it can say about feminism today and like the idea of girlhood and womanhood it seems to be very critical and self reflective but it's also the uh, company involved in the production is metal the pet, the company that the, the manufacturer of barbie like literally an actual corporate uh, corporation so i don't know like how do we separate the two even if we are highly looking forward to this is it also another commodity so i thought that was a really interesting thing to think about when i first read all of these definitions of ideology I, everything is a commodity right now in hollywood especially if you look at the trend of the ip film if you look at the trend of the game movies 
uh, Uncharted was a film that came out a couple of years ago. The Last of Us was so huge right now, even though that's not really a movie. Mario Brothers, Sonic, Dungeons and Dragons. These are all games that are being turned into movies because these are all IPs that can be changed and altered to reach out to a younger demographic as the people who used to enjoy them age out, I suppose. How do you get a younger generation to be interested in Mario's adventures by making movies? Because that's what kids are watching on TV, at home, on streaming. They're available to rent for $3, Barbie is a bit of an enigma because Greta Gerwig is making it. And there is absolute confusion as to what the movie is going to be about. But I would keep Barbie aside from the trend of IP films that have recently come out. I've also watched the Barbie trailer like 30 times and I have to say whatever the Barbification is, it's working on me because I've gone and watched the evolution of the Barbie dollhouse from the 1920s to present day. So I'm here and fully getting Barbie-fied um, and looking forward to the film. Um, I, You know, but the fact that you wanted to start the conversation with Barbie also, Ruth, I think brings up an interesting question, right? Which is that why is it that with some films we're more interested to unpack what their ideological impact is Versus not with others, right? So what are the films that come to your mind when you even think about this question of can you separate ideology from uh, filmmaking? Though we're all on the same page about like, okay, all films are commodities and all of them have an ideological aspect to it because just by their very nature. Um, But why do certain films bring up the question of like ideology and filmmaking and the separation? And I want to ask there that should we be um, talking more about certain films than others, right? Like, like Sucharita, I think you said, let's leave Barbie aside from like some of these other films that we're talking about. Is there more of a concern about some films? Let's say, especially where they're directly linked to um, political ideology and to currents in our country, right? And here, of course, we bring up uh, the recent release, Adi Purush, and the many directions that the discourse around that film has taken. And then the second highest grosser of of, um, the year for India last checked, which was the Kerala story. Ideology matters in every film, every piece of writing, every story. Some films choose to wear it front and center of their narrative. Some movies choose to make the ideology, specific ideology of the filmmaker, the storyteller, the financier, the producer front and center of the film and in those cases the conversations around those films becomes about the ideology and not about anything else the only thing that we seem to be talking about the Kerala story and I haven't watched the film I don't think I could have put myself through it so I've not reviewed it I just I couldn't bear the thought Um, but the only thing that people seem to remember from the film is how controversial it was how, do you know anyone who actually went and watched the film? Sure, it made a lot of money. Um, and obviously, we're also insulated within our circles and we don't aren't friends with people who would go watch movies like Kerala Story. But the big thing that anyone you bring up that movie with would associate it with is the controversy it caused. The fact that the Prime Minister mentioned it in some speeches, that the entire political machinery that's active on Twitter seemed to be promoting the film. Some films make that choice to keep their ideology. 
in the center of the conversation. It is not about the filmmaking. It is not about the acting. It is not about the craft or about what the film is trying. Well, ideology, I suppose, is directly related to what the film is trying to achieve. It's made a lot of money. The same team has announced another film yesterday or two days ago. They've announced another film. So the joke's on us, I suppose. And Adi Purush, I don't think, realizes what it is itself. <laughs> they try to <laughs> say something. Then they try to say something else also. Then they try to say something else also. And in all that mishmash, they completely forgot that this is still cinema they are attempting. Which just fell flat on its face in more ways than 20. Yeah, that's hilarious. And your review of Adi Purush also was like, so like, a lot of people were saying it's funnier than the film itself, like the film unintentionally. But I wanted to ask you, since we were talking about the Kerala story, um, how do we compare that with a film like, say, Padmavat, right? Like, we're talking about the intention of the filmmakers and the people behind it, the state machinery that gets behind a film. That worked out as intended in the case of uh, Kerala story. But with Padmavat, it, it seemed like um, the state and a lot of, a lot of like, politics around it, you, it was not the same, as in there were a lot of uh, groups, religious groups that opposed the film. But if you actually watch it, and a lot of us ourselves have seen it, our, our circles have seen it, if you watch the film, it there's a lot of like soft sub messaging about like good versus evil, Hindus versus like the other, the Muslim as the other, and that's also a form of historical revisionism, right? So how, how do we separate a film like that where it seems like the actors, as in the players involved in the making and the reception of it, are very different from a Kerala story, but the essence of the film is kind of like treading very similar ground, right? Like, how do we look at that? Because for me, it feels like they're same in a sense. And you're right. If Padmavat was to release today, I think it would have a different reception than it did the many years ago that it came out. The political climate is too large a term, but interference in cinema has increased, uh, and which has led to more awareness of said interference in cinema. More people are observing and commenting on portrayals of religions and people who are from various religions as hero versus villain versus this and that who is the looter and who is the king who is the queen and who is the abductor all of these things sure if i was to revisit padmavat today those things would stand out more starkly than they did when i watched the film the whole halabalu around padmavat also this is not the name of the queen and this is not how she danced and covered her waistline etc etc we all wanted to stand by the film, the filmmaker, because it also came from Sanjali Bhansali, who's proven himself to be one of the finer filmmakers we've had in this country. The actors are all very good, etc., etc. And then that whole thing, once we finally watched the film, once it got the release date, a lot of us observed there was actually validating a lot of the objections people had with the film that it was about, quote-unquote, Rajputana pride to a huge extent, 
So why was everyone upset with this film when it is exactly saying what you want the film to say? Um that was a very confusing time and that was perhaps also in our naivety unclear to us as a viewing audience the nuances of religion caste that that film was portraying again if it released in 2023 i do believe that it would receive a more informed analysis and discussion than when it released i don't remember which year it was but it was a significant time ago yep absolutely um i'm also interestingly you know you can draw parallels between padmavat and uh, adi purush also literally in terms of the debates around the perception who is playing sita who is playing padmavati how is she dressing etc etc and the aim of course with something like adi purush is very clearly to make money off a certain phenomenon and feeling in the country and then when you get that wrong it's so complicated like even the stories about who's going to play ram and sita in the upcoming bollywood remake of the film um so i think we've clearly established that the question we started with we all agree that you cannot separate ideology from films it's there in every film um no matter what you're looking at in different ways uh, but what about the question of harm does it matter what a film is saying ideologically and how do you respond to that as audiences is the is the response censorship is the response um engaging critically is the response asking filmmakers to do better how do you engage with it and maybe let's pick out a couple of examples right like there is a film like kabir singh which famously there was a lot of um uh, conversation about a lot of furor about and then there's something like lenny riefenstahl's triumph of the will right which uh, we know is technically really brilliant it's a woman filmmaker who achieved that kind of uh, uh excellence in filmmaking way back uh, A, a long time ago but at the same time it's nazi propaganda right so how do you kind of look at this question and how does it differ from case to case the you know films are always within they exist within a period of time they exist within a cultural context they exist within a moment in the country's history Lenny Riefenstahl when she was making the films that she was what was happening in Germany then who was the power who were the people who were being suppressed all of that it could be a brilliant crafty very nice film crafted well made well etc etc um but does it exist in a vacuum no nothing exists in vacuum no film no book no essay no tweet exists in a vacuum everything has to be contextualized um and cinema is so powerful it is reaching people like no other medium is no succession is reaching anyone as much as adi purush is reaching everyone it craft wise you know i would say uri was a very good film crafted very well but it was a pro war film it was uh, it had excellent camera work and editing and everything but that was the first time for us a lot of film critics we faced what i might even call organized trolling on the internet and it took us completely by surprise for a lot of us we were shocked 
at receiving this kind of strong pushback against our reviews for mentioning that the film is asking for blood and is that the right thing in today's world that it should be uh, that we should be making films about it's a it's also a very uniquely indian problem hindi cinema because uh, even a movie like i don't know like internationally we are seeing i know not to generalize so much but you're seeing movies like all quiet on the western front which is so obviously anti-war you are seeing movies like kandahar gerard butler's film which is about an american soldier who returns to afghanistan on one last mission and sits down with his translator and actually has contemplative moments saying we've messed it up for you for your country for the translators who we left behind when the evacuation happened gerard butler is a huge movie star and for him to participate in a film where on the behalf of his country he's sitting in afghanistan and actually ruminating on how badly they've messed up so these are the kind of films you know kandahar is not a very big film it's not a big budget movie so everything exists in a cultural context cinema most of all because we consume movies more than we consume anything else like how many friends do you know who are actively reading new books releases no we are watching movies and we're watching clips of movies on our phones we're watching movie stars promote these movies and are trying to copy them ape them do their dances wear their clothes the response to these kind of films can never be censorship nothing warrants censorship unless you're a child then your legal parent guardian etc have to censor what you are watching or consuming or interacting with in any way shape or form censorship is never the answer the censor board is never the answer the answer is to i mean i don't even know what the answer is but my one suggestion is to encourage more conversation around cinema that reaches people encourage criticism analyses encourage education encourage authentic news it's all tied in the more fake news you consume the more propaganda news you consume on the 24/7 news cycles the more you are prone to believe what the filmmaker is saying to you is true or false depending on what who the filmmaker is and what their film is saying there is i don't see another way to tackle this except make people more aware implore people over and over to ask questions not accept things just because somebody is telling them to you ask be loud about your questions and it it's a cultural thing it's an indian thing we don't encourage children to ask questions in the household ulta jawab mat do papa se sawal mat karo kyun nahi kare bhai sawal kar rahe to uske jawab do and then this is what grows into prime minister ne kaha hai to kuch soch ke hi kaha hoga not really sawal karo har cheez se sawal karo koi bhi party ka prime minister ho doesn't matter which party is in power similarly movies sawal karo 
you know use your own brain and, and encourage encourage criticism which we don't there's no education around film criticism unfortunately that's really interesting sucharita because you know when you talk about the idea of like craft and um, nothing exists in a vacuum so we should be encouraged to criticize and critique films i wonder like if we take for example adi purush's predecessor right like ramanand sagar's tv show uh, ramayana and and media like that um it's immensely popular a lot of people really love that uh that serialized version of the mythology and there were there are conversations about how it played a key role in fueling uh the rath yatra and like support for the rath yatra um but still i mean like a lot of people really like the like the show it's considered maybe good um and we can't speak to the intention of uh, raman and sagar and the people who made it in terms of whether it was meant to drum up support for the ruling ideology of the day but but many people say that it did do that anyway so there's a gap between like intention and impact right so how how much do we hold people accountable for making art that a lot of people love um especially in an environment where as you pointed out we're not used to critiquing and criticizing then like should we hold artists more accountable for the things that they put out uh, because of the consequences they may have of course have to hold everybody accountable for what they are saying hold me accountable for my movie reviews if i say something that is impacting or in a negative way if i'm punching down in my movie reviews if you find me making fun of or ridiculing communities that already have it hard much harder than you know upper caste cisgender heterosexual north indian english speaking woman what what are my hardships nothing um so hold me accountable hold everything accountable hold every actor accountable every writer accountable for everything and that's what criticism is na criticism is not pointing out mistakes critiquing is holding things accountable because you hold things to a standard to an impact intention versus impact for sure aadi purush ki intention kya thi impact kya hua hai alag dekh lo uski intention thi ki gaali khayenge har angle se par impact to wahi hua hai na that anybody who's watched the film has been like we're not this stupid also man ravanand sagar's ramayana did not receive any <laughs> critical analysis it was back when cable tv was barely in homes there was absolutely no internet very few modes of entertainment and nobody thought anything of it it's only later that scholars and political analysts have gone in and put two and two together and perhaps there were some voices back then as well i don't remember news from that time who were saying that ramayan and mahabharat and these kind of shows that are on our tv are encouraging these voices ramanand sagar has made some very questionable film, films before he made ramayan um very adult content movies if you look them up they have strange names and strange actors doing strange things and then he went on to do make ramayan um 
why i don't know i wasn't around at that time and i haven't done a deep analytical research into why he made the shift from making um you know not high high quality cinema to making a completely religious show on a very low budget what prompted that what encouraged that i don't know but if he had a more robust and secure system of critiquing popular culture the way it's it deserves to be then there would be more conversation around what ramayan did and it wouldn't just be murmurs on podcasts there would be think pieces constantly coming out where the writer would not be scared to say what they were wanting to say i'm also curious sucharita because your perspective is so interesting but i've also seen in like panels or like discussions with like a bunch of reviewers that yours is not necessarily the um popular opinion even among the film reviewing community i might be entirely wrong i'm basing this off a few videos i've seen of yours with like the community of reviewers right about how much importance do you give to the ideology and the impact of a film socially and morally versus like the technical craft and so could you tell us a little bit about that everyone has their own ideologies as well in the film critics spectrum also obviously people are people and that's why film critics are not um you know it's not news these are opinions and every opinion comes from a personal place maybe informed opinion maybe uninformed opinion that's why people tend to find film critics that they usually agree with and tend to like follow their work and understand and listen to their work a little bit more but i always say listen to as many film critics as you can read as many film critics as you can so you get a more vast understanding and then from that you are able to filter for yourself what you agree with what works for you what uh what analysis makes most sense to you and helps you make better sense of the world what makes you feel more uh heard and understood etc etc so i'm not going to say that the film critic community is united against one particular side or is united for one particular side it's a very diverse group that comes from different languages and cultures speaking of you know like film critics being a very diverse a group of people with different opinions i wanted to bring up the example of uh, pathan so when it came out a lot of film critics like as in the film critic community itself like interpreted the film not at face value not not as a film but like everybody was looking at this as like sharukh khan's almost like comeback after a very difficult time um like his real life was very much intertwined with the story of this film and its release right so uh, a lot of people also were kind of reading him into the like him as a celebrity as an icon into into the film pathan but then if we actually look at the film it's also quite like nationalistic in a sense that if you were to replace shahrukh khan with akshay kumar in it uh, it would be a very different response right so i'm wondering like what is the role that a like a star a movie star plays in how you interpret films itself or the ideology of a film because it's not just the film itself that's clearly playing a role over there right just the fact that it's a muslim character getting to be the hero 
do you get to see that in mainstream hindi cinema anymore a muslim man you can still see muslim women but you don't get to see a muslim man um and the fact that charukh khan you know came back after everything that he had to go through in his personal life which we don't know the truth of uh you know what what went on behind the scenes and we may never know because charukh khan may never speak about it um and only he knows what happened there context the context of the film was there is a wave of love in the country for a man that they have loved and adored and a man who's given so much back to them in terms of entertainment and endearment and sharkan's always been seen as somebody who's accessible available despite his superstar status anyone who's ever interviewed him has a story about him anyone who's ever met him or seen him from a distance has a story about him what he was doing how he was fixing his hair how he was talking to his staff his managers pr agents everyone has stories about sharukh khan and they're all good stories about sharukh khan pathan was also a well made film it leaned into what it was trying to say so the craft was also good was it the best action film was it mission impossible no it wasn't but then again ideology of the film the film was i don't know if you know seeing a muslim movie star play a muslim leading man and then say i love my country is the same as someone else doing it in a way it can also be interpreted as a muslim man saying i belong in this country as much as this country belongs to me and i'm going to say it out loud and there's nothing you can do to stop me so stop telling me to go to pakistan i won't um and it existed in that time where public sentiment for sharukh khan for whatever reasons was just very very high that might not be the same for when the next film releases which is i believe around the corner jawan then this donkey that sort of wave of love perhaps won't exist but then again you never know i'm not clairvoyant there's no way to know what how people are going to react to jawan it might be a good film might be a bad film we'll find out i'm also interested in this question of when it comes to ideology and filmmaking how how do you think a filmmaker should look at that question right because in terms of um the ideological impact even in very subtle ways of like and we've had so many discussions about this now about like how consent is depicted in films right especially in film songs the nuances of that like now it's become almost a cliche for us to discuss the example of hamina hai because that's been propagated in so many films um So just curious about when you're telling a story how do you balance out the impact of your story versus the need to stay true to who your characters are and where they come from uh, because we see that in a lot of cases where you're taking impact into a chord it starts feeling not true to the story now personally for me uh, and for us we discussed the house of the dragon and that felt as an exa- an example where you see like girl boss kind of narratives in spaces where they might not necessarily make sense and where they differ from the book in how the depictions go or even with Daenerys and Game of Thrones for that matter where it starts feeling inauthentic to the world and to the to the story 
um, in a way that doesn't quite fit right. So just curious about like, how do we think about how should filmmakers balance out like the impact of their films versus being true to what their stories are about? I haven't seen Game of Thrones and House of Dragon. It's too violent for me, Game of Thrones. So I never watched it. And then uh, House of Dragon also, I was just not interested in. I mean, I'm sure it's a great show and I've heard it's a great show. Just not interested in it. So I'm not going to comment on that. Um, uh, any storyteller has an agenda in mind, what they are hoping to say with this film, even though, even... Even if they don't realize it themselves, there is something that every storyteller is wanting an impact that the storyteller has wants and then is working backwards from that. You want to make a romantic comedy because uh, I want to bring some joy to people. I want to make a political film because there is a point that I'm been, that's been roaming around in my head and I want to kind of visualize it. You want to make a mythological film, then which religions mythology you're borrowing from is the impact that uh, you know, you're hoping to achieve from that film. Everybody has an impact in mind. If you are a good filmmaker, your impact will be exactly what you wanted it to be. If you you are a very good filmmaker then you will get the impact that you want and more for instance i'm coming back to oppenheimer but christopher nolan has said in his interviews that i'm making a film to entertain people i want to entertain i want people to come and be like the you spend money i want to enjoy my time and that's all i'm trying to do which is an impact that he definitely definitely uh, manages to get but also the other impact is that he has his films have encouraged more people to discuss films they've encouraged analysis they've encouraged criticism everybody wants to now talk about how he's bending time and how he's talking about space and you know dimensions etc etc which is great I, I don't think he's complaining that that has happened out of his films but the impact entertainment definitely delivered James Cameron is making Avatar. He's also he is also wanting to talk about the human nature relationship. Avatar is not just to show you look at these spectacles. He wants to talk about the human nature relationship, which is an impact the film has. Definitely, it makes you feel a certain kind of way about fictional creatures that live underwater, which are not even real whales. But you're like, we're so cruel to whales. We need to be nicer to whales. That impact the movie has. Every filmmaker who is good at their job, every storyteller who is good at their job, has an impact in mind. And whether they achieve it or not, I don't know. Uh, but when you're writing characters, what, what are you keeping in mind when you're writing a character? When you're developing a character, you are keeping in mind their arc. You are keeping in mind where you want them to end, where you want their arc to peak and then start coming down and then climax. And when you're writing these characters, unless you have in mind the impact you want these characters to leave on people, how are you writing these characters? I don't understand. I'm not a writer. I don't understand the writing process. But I would imagine when you're creating a character from scratch, from nothingness, from thin air, you're keeping in mind what you want the character to achieve in the story. So stay true to that. The problem with a movie like Adipurush was that they weren't even true to what they were trying to say. They didn't stay true to their own agenda. And hence it got bashed from every angle. But, you know, when we, when you talk about, like, staying true to the character that you're writing, um, I want to, like, bring up over here, like, films that people may consider apolitical in a sense or just, like, not in the realm of politics at all. So, like, the early, like, Karan Johar films, the NRI genre of films, uh, K3G, even, like, uh, Dil Chata Hai, Kal Ho Na Ho, um, those kind of movies, where it's catering to a very specific type of 
audience through a very specific type of character, right? Like people have spoken about how like the expat Indian like encapsulates the wealthy upper class, upper caste Hindu person who is very like who wants to define who an Indian is, like who the ideal Indian is for an audience. It's kind of also like a very subtle exercise in like, uh, you know, propagating the idea of Indianness in a sense as Hinduness. It's like at least some scholars have said this, although these films are not political um, in that way. So then how how do we place films like that um, and interpret? It comes from the politics of the filmmaker. The filmmaker may not be interested in making a political statement, but every filmmaker has their own politics. And by politics, I don't mean which party you vote for. By politics, like everything else, class, caste, gender, these are all political issues that someone or the other has, everyone has different experiences with. Growing up in a certain part of the country with a certain amount of money, with a certain gender assigned to you, um, will inform your political ideology on a personal level, which will seep into your writing, which will seep into the film that you're making. So if Karan Johar's early films have a remix version of Raghupati Raghav Raja Ram, that's his own persona seeping into the film, where he sees himself perhaps on a crossroad of Western influence versus growing up in an Indian Hindu household singing Raghupati Raghav Raja Ram, but also listening to, uh, you know, I don't know, Pink Floyd. And then he wanted to bring it together, even though he's not making a political statement with that song with Shah Rukh Khan sitting in the truck and, you know, people on a trip singing Raghupati Raghav Raja Ram. He's not making a comment about Gandhi or what Gandhi stood for. It's in a very romantic moment, quote-unquote romantic moment, where Rahul is going to see Anjali and he doesn't know that his daughter is with the same Anjali that he was with in school. He's not. But why are you using a Gandhi song there? Just. So it comes from his own place of, you know, a writer's insecurities, a writer's life experience, a writer's wishfulness, all of it seeps into their work. 10 years later, 20 years later, you might be able to look back and analyze and then you'll be able to tell what phase of life the writer was going through at that time. Filmmakers, when they get married and have children, change their their whole approach to life changes and then they start making a different kind of film. Same person. So unless, so yeah, you know, you can, you can, you can find a little bit of the filmmaker in every film that they are making obviously but and it comes from their personal politics everything that's so true and i think what you also said about like ideological impact in or like in the process of creating those characters i think so much of the conflicts begin there right because hero with a thousand faces joseph campbell's is what everybody treats as like a manual and they start with that and there's no heroine there like i think maria tatter has just written a book on heroine with a thousand faces and the absence of that figure in this book which has shaped much of like hollywood and like has become like a go-to bible for a lot of writers so i guess the questioning sort of begins from there um and on that note like a question to sort of end with um, do you ever think about what should the impact of this kind of film criticism and these conversations about films and ideology? If you look at even your own work, 
um, or conversations that audiences have, right? Because like you said, the important thing is to have conversations, is to ensure that there's more of media literacy, critical awareness. So what do, do you look at or think about the impact of even your own work or the importance of talking about ideology in films, right? Like what is the ultimate impact? Is it that the filmmakers reflect maybe and start incorporating this in their process? Is it that more people are watching more with more awareness or just, just wondering? For me, I hope that my work is reaching enough people to encourage them to start analyzing films in their own lives. I never want to tell people this film is good, this film is bad. If I say that I think that this film is bad, here is why. If I say this film is good, here is why. You decide. I will give you, I'll try to analyze this for you and open it up for you. And if our life experiences overlap in some way or the other, you might understand what I'm saying. I might not be able to understand what you're saying because I don't have your life experience and I get it. A lot of times in movies, I don't even see cast, which is my drawback because I've never had to have those conversations in my life. Uh, but I see gender because those are the conversations I've had to have. So that's what I try to emphasize more on. So with my reviews and these conversations that I'm having with, having with filmmakers and actors, I'm hoping to encourage more people to think in these terms, to think analytically about popular culture and the impact it has on their life. Demand better. You deserve better. Do not accept things that are given to you at face value. Look underneath, look beneath. I think it's very interesting though what you said about, you know, I think the idea is to go back to what you said about what is good, what is bad, and if people can ha decide for themselves what that is. And I guess making the space also for respectful disagreement where people share their life journeys, where they're coming from, and how that impacts their uh, viewing experience and demanding better. And I think that's a great note to leave our listeners with. Thank you so much, Sucharita, for joining us to have this conversation and unpacking this question in detail. Uh, here's to analyzing pop culture in more depth and thinking about how it um, impacts our lives and asking for better because, like you said, we deserve better. Yes. And follow me on Instagram because that's how I make my money. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, on that note, uh, see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios, the production company that brings the Swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films.